It's important that people understand that there is no miracle product. There's no strategy, the single strategy. There's no tax play that is the secret weapon answer to success. Uh, it's certainly not a traditional financial plan either that says, how much do you need for retirement? How much do you need for college? How much do you need for a second home? Because those are all guesses and we can't guess and be as professional and effective as we should be as advisors. So for the public, what should the goal be? Pursuing an improved level of financial financial balance overall. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, this show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything-is-possible mentality, and that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. Welcome to today's episode of the Hero of the Hour podcast, where our host, Mark Murphy, engages in an insightful conversation with Bob Ball, a veteran of the financial services industry since 1978. Bob has excelled as a top agent, general agent, and coach for financial advisors, transforming a scratch operation into a master agency during his 18 years at Guardian Life Insurance Company. As president of Leap Systems, Inc., he expanded insurance selling systems and training services. Today, we'll explore Bob's recent role as a consultant for Guardian, which led to the creation of the Innovative Asset Aggregation Tool, the Living Balance Sheet empowering over 2,000 financial professionals and benefiting more than 250,000 clients. Listen now and learn from Bob's passion for teaching financial advisors to convey their value and his journey from a successful college basketball career to a prominent figure in the financial industry. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. It's Mark Murphy for another exciting episode of the Hero of the Hour podcast. I'm here with a very, very special guest and a very, very good friend, Bob Ball. Bob, welcome uh, to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, Mark. You know, Bob, as we were talking just before we went on film, I, you know, we're talking about who's going to be watching this. And I think generally what we're trying to do with the Hero of the Hour podcast is trying to help you know entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial thinking people think just bigger, bolder, better. And again, as you know, uh, you know our firm is known for helping people create multi generational wealth. In fact, uh, uh, that's what I wrote about in my last two books, uh, including the one that, that just came out a couple of months ago called The Ultimate Investment. But I, I didn't come here to talk about this today. I came to to talk to you. And I think before I let you uh, share with us uh, all the pearls of wisdom you're going to give us, I just want to spend a minute or so just talking about you and your background. Not that I really need this. You know, I, you know, with, with some guests who I don't know very well, I need all kinds of notes to talk about who they are. I don't need to talk about my friend. But I will tell you that what I say about you is that there are very few people that are elite out there. There are, very, there are people that are excellent. There are people that are good. There are people that are mediocre. There's even some people that are bad. 
And there are very few elite people. And you are one of those elite people uh, who just want to be better every day than better tomorrow than they were today. And, you know, all I can tell you for who, who you're watching is Bob started out, uh, you know, not too many people have the college basketball career he had playing in the NIT with his teammate, Cornbread Maxwell, who's with the Celtics and doing, doing, getting to, I think, the semifinals of the, of the NIT. He then became one of the top financial advisors in the country for many years and then wound up owning the firm, becoming and building the biggest general agency in the country for a major insurance company. And then he's probably spent the better part of the last couple of decades changing and transforming the industry as the inventor and creator of the living balance sheet, which has not only changed the lives of thousands of financial advisors, but more importantly, it's changed the lives of millions of people in how they think about money and how they create wealth. And, and Bob, all I can tell you is that I'm hoping at the end of this podcast, uh, and I know what's going to happen at the end of this podcast, you're going to help some people get some clarity on their finances and change how they think about. So I'd, I'd first like to start and, and talk to you about is, you know, maybe maybe you could, you know, I, I gave a little overview of who you are. I'd love maybe if you just spend a few minutes about your journey and and uh, and tell people how you got from, you know, from a from a guy who grew up with modest means to a guy that is influencing an industry, in my humble opinion. Well, first of all, Mark, thank you for those kind words and that introduction. It's always great to be with you, whether it's face-to-face or through the technology that we have working this morning. And, you know, the circles of life always are in motion and carrying us from one place to the next. And uh, I've been very lucky. Uh, I was raised to work hard and uh, take care of other people first as a primary focus and serving others. Uh, will always um, allow us to be able to achieve what we want in our lives. And I think that uh, some of that good fortune has stacked on top of itself. And at the last 20 years, as you mentioned, those two decades, uh, I was really able to start with a blank canvas and capture all that I had been exposed to, all that I'd experienced personally, and all that I had learned along the way about money and how money decisions should be made. And since we created that platform that you referred to, the Living Balance Sheet, we were able to mine the data that was coming from a couple million clients that we worked with over the last 20 years. And it all resonates uh, in a series of patterns where we can see what works for people in their financial life. And maybe more importantly, we really are clear now on what doesn't work. And so uh, there's a host of financial symptoms that people have uh, when we first meet them uh, that some are doing it well. And why is that? Uh, they, they almost make it look easy. And, and why is that? And others struggle to enjoy in their life what they deserve to have. And, and why is that? So dissecting that through hundreds and hundreds of thousands of client situations, we come up with. Uh, symptoms that are characteristic of those that struggle and symptoms of those that succeed. And knowing the difference between the two uh, as a consumer uh, can make a huge, huge difference in the outcome and, and really allowing people to have what they're entitled to in their life. I, I think, first of all, I think that, you know, one of the, I call this uh, podcast the Hero of the Hour podcast. And, uh, you know, because I only want people on this podcast that are either personal heroes to me or heroes to other folks. And clearly, you've been a hero to me in the sense that uh, some of the wisdom and some of the things you've shared with me, not only over the last two decades, but even before that, 
has has shaped how I've advised clients and hopefully have helped them create multi-generational wealth. And uh, I'm forever grateful for that. And uh, it's it just allowed me to have, uh, I think that through some of the work and some of the things we've learned from the research and the work you've done, it's allowed me to have just a life that I am so proud of and something that I just enjoy doing every day. Question I have is, and I don't want to be conspiratorial because there's nothing conspiratorial about that. When I started to look at the world, and this was going back, you know, 30 plus years ago, why did it seem to me that that there was a lot of misinformation in the financial services and there was a lot of good people? There were a lot of good accountants. There was a lot of good attorneys. There were a lot of good financial advisors. There was a lot of good stockbrokers, insurance agents that were trying to give the best advice they could, but ultimately that advice did not help people create the kind of wealth and the kind of safety and security that they needed in their life. Why, why, why do you think that occurred? Well, let me just give you an analogy. Uh, three or four decades ago, if you had a ACL injury, you would be six months in a cast with a scar that runs down the, the front of your knee. And it was a big, tough ordeal. And now it's a couple of dots on your knee and maybe you might be playing tennis 30 days later. So, so it's not that either doctor at the time that they were performing their operation were doing bad things. They were doing the best they could with what they had. And I think that what we're trying to do is to say there's a new technology and a new philosophy around money-making decisions that people need to know about, that there's an improved way to build wealth compared to old six months in the cast uh, types of approaches. And, and so it's not a moral or ethical issue. It's just an advancement of thinking. Uh, as we're paying attention to what works again and what doesn't work, so yeah. we maybe we, maybe we could talk about some of those symptoms from the standpoint of what we see, and then we can get into the maybe the details of what to do about it. Well, I think anybody watching this is trying to figure out if they said to me, "I'd love to create multi generational wealth. I'd love to have enough money so that enough wealth that I could be abundant in this world and not just have enough for myself." You know, one of the things that I find so refreshing about the technique and the, and the work that you've done is. I find that people that say I have enough are some of the most selfish people I know because they don't have any extra. They just have enough for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can create real abundance in this world, the work that you can do to transform the lives of other people, not only your family, but strangers and the, and the, the, the community at large is, is so great. And so if, so if I'm watching this and I'm saying, I'd love to learn from Bob how to create multi-generational wealth, or I'd learn to love, learn to be able to do that. What are some of the things I need to know? Well, there's two major aspects. One is climbing up the mountain and then descending down the mountain. And so on the way up in the wealth building journey, uh, it's really being aware of what the real cost of living is. What, what's the wind in your face that's pushing back against you that's causing you to be able to move at the speed that you want to move? Uh, inflation, taxes, uh, everybody is, understands that, but they don't really perhaps uh, clearly understand the, the impact over time of even low levels of inflation or income taxes uh, are not the only issue. It could be taxes of all types. And it's not just taxes and inflation. It's uh, things that we want to own now that didn't exist yesterday, new inventions. It's things that we bought that have to be replaced that have worn out. It's keeping up with the Joneses or being in style. And then it's this host of life events that occur without warning that may can impact or derail the, the path that you're on. So it's a it's a it's all added together. It's 
it's important that you're doing things correctly or else that wind, that resistance that's pushing back against you will cause you to get way off course. Uh, that's on the way up the mountain. Uh, on the way down the mountain, it's all about the safe withdrawal rate. Uh, people have a nest egg. They've worked their whole life to build a nest egg and they, they have enough, as you said. And uh, people need to be real, real clear on how much pressure they can put on that nest egg from the standpoint of cash flow to support their lifestyle while retired. Um, people might think if they have a million dollars or $10 million that they can take eight, nine percent off that fund for the rest of their life. And they might even be able to leave a legacy for those that they love. And that's simply not the case. There's Nobel Prize winning uh, research that suggests it's more in the three percent range for every million. That's thirty thousand dollars of cash flow as retirees. So you have you have to start with the big picture and the big picture are the forces, the eroding factors that cause the accumulation and building of wealth to be affected. And then once you arrive at, at the point where you decide voluntarily, I'm no longer going to actively earn an income and work, I have to turn to my balance sheet to create that lifestyle. How much and where from do I create that lifestyle for myself? And how do I really know how much I can spend when I don't really know how long I'm going to live into retirement. Those are tough issues. And you have to start there, understanding the seriousness and the scope of the challenge. In life, I, you know, I think motivation sort of lasts for like, like an hour, like, like you can see, you know, you've, you've lectured all over the country to, you know, in an aggregate hundreds of thousands, maybe it's millions of people in an aggregate over over the years. Believe me, anyone who's not ser- seen Bob speak, it's a standing room only. The, the he's always the highest rated speaker. The place sells out, and it's a it's like going to a revival meeting. But so many folks take that motivation, those advisors or even the clients, and they don't seem they they the motivation is not the hard part. The hard part is then coming back and having the discipline to execute that. Why do you think so few people, even when they have access to the technology? They don't have the discipline to actually execute and do what they need to do to create the wealth they want to create and create the lives they want to create financially. Well, I think I think there's been a movement to doing it yourself, you know, do it yourself financial plan. Uh, you can go online and you can put all your information in some system and some robot answer will come out. And I think uh, that the, the difference maker is someone like you, Mark, that can be my advocate, can be my coach that whispers, reminds, warns updates, reviews, and uh, educates me on the absolute best strategies and, and approach uh, for my life. And without that, I'm just sort of wandering through time, hoping it works out. And uh, some people uh, are coachable and uh, willing to let new information in, and others maybe are so wounded that they can't do that, they can't trust, and uh, that's sad. And others maybe just think that they're going to be okay and they're overconfident, and there's a sort of a danger in that as well. So I would be looking for someone like you and your firm that doesn't do drive-by uh, work. You're there for the long haul, and you want to make sure that your clients make it. Uh, in all circumstances, no matter what the world throws our way, your clients make it, and that's what separates you from everybody else. You know, there's been studies that have been reading reports that they say, literally, they've done actuarial studies that have said, that the smarter you are, the more wrong decisions you make around money or the poorer decisions you make around money. And, and I think it's a little bit of maybe hubris or the fact that you say, I'm a great surgeon or I'm a great lawyer or I'm a great entrepreneur. And so I must be able to make all these decisions and be able to, to do this. And they wind up not making right decisions because of that sort of a confident, you know, you know, kind of false sense of confidence. 
right. going forward. You know, I, I you know, I, I, I think going forward. The, the other thing I would also say is for people that don't know Bob, one of the, you know, David Letterman had his stupid pet tricks. Uh, Bob's great pet trick is he used to get up in front of an audience of let's call it a thousand or two thousand people and meet a successful couple and go live from the stage over a couple of hours and transform their financial life. And I'm going, how did you come up with that idea? How much stress was in that idea? Did it ever, you know, you've done it, you've done it dozens of times. Did any of them ever go sideways? Do you have any interesting stories about, about that? And how did you come up with that, that uh, kind of live case scenario, which, you know, it was, I, I got to tell you, it impressed the hell out of your audience. Well, it, it wasn't stressful. And there's a reason for that, which maybe we can get into. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that if we're trying to teach advisors how to be better at their craft, then what better way to demonstrate it than to create a live client environment and have it in, be viewed in real time. Here's what the client says. There's no script. Here's how we reacted. Here's what we said. Here's how they reacted. And the results are right there on stage for the viewers. Uh, so that was the motivation behind it. And the reason there wasn't, there's not pressure on me. It's the, it's the, even though I don't understand their fact pattern going in, once I see their fact pattern, I know they're probably looking something like this. They're probably taking too much risk with their future. Uh, speculation is a losing strategy. You know, Michael Douglas in Wall Street too told us that. And we've been taught as a, as a buying public that, taking risk is safe. It's a safe thing to do through marketing collateral that makes it look safe by showing history and here's what it looked like and here's what it would look like in your life if that history repeated itself. So too much risk taking. We know that's probably in play for most people. Uh, we know as a result, they're poor savers because if you're going to have a goal uh, to achieve X amount of wealth for retirement and you want to assume a high rate of return along the way up the mountain, then you just don't have to save as much to hit that target. And that hasn't played out well. And so our industry and the old playbook has basically taught an entire generation to be poor savers. And so we know they're taking risks, they're poor savers, and what they have saved is positioned where they have low to no liquidity. So opportunities or planned or unplanned life events are difficult to respond to because there's different liquidity aspects to the property that we have on our balance sheet. Some are very liquid, some are not as liquid and hard to get to. And then we also see that debt decisions are, are made incorrectly. The common way of thinking is pay down debt, get rid of debt, then save. And we just ask, you know, who's more important, you, your family, your life, or Visa? And when people say, well, of course, we're more, we're more important, then we just simply say, well, this, let's make sure your debt payoff strategies are in keeping with what you just told me. And when you, when you seek to pay off debt and then save, you've lost time that can never be recovered. And we want our, we want our clients to build up their balance sheet, not some other financial institution's balance sheet as a priority. And then underlying all that is the absence of the appropriate levels of protection. We, we see that time and time and time again. Little to no protection uh, is the prevailing condition that clients are in when we meet them. Uh, they see it as a cost. They, they operate on a self-insurance methodology. And they're vulnerable 
Uh, they might have car insurance, uh, but they're not insuring their most important asset, and that's their ability to earn an income. And so we, we know that. We know they take risks. We know they're not liquid. We, they're probably making mistakes in the debt area. They don't have uh, the annual savings level that they need to have. And, and if something happened without warning, their entire financial futures would be at risk, if not devastated. So I know that pretty much going in in every situation as the result of that old way of thinking about money decisions that has prevailed for the last three or four decades that need that is slowly, gradually changing for the better. Have you noticed that life is getting more and more expensive? From grocery prices to real estate values, everywhere you turn, prices seem to be skyrocketing. Well, Mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth, and in most cases, multi-generational wealth. The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy. But the difference will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision. And so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. You know, what? one of the things I look back on with some regret in my career years ago, before we had met, was I would come in and I thought I was doing a great job for somebody. I would help them clean up their messes financially. I would help them take their business and grow it so their income might double or triple. And, and I would think, wow, I did a great job. I helped clean up their financial messes and I doubled or tripled their income. But if they didn't have great values around money, what I really did was it was no different than me giving an alcoholic uh, a case of, of vodka. Because ultimately what I did is all that I came back six months, a year, two, three years later, and their problems weren't double or triple. They were like quintuple because they, they, I just gave them more juice to continue to have those bad behaviors around money. I think that part of it is, is you've got to get around a philosophy around money that I think one of the things that, that you did and Let Living Balance Sheet did is help people create rules around money. And some of those rules, you know, that, that if you, if you said to me, you know, let's talk about maybe chasing returns. You mentioned, in, you know, people don't talk about inflation or they don't, or, or you talk about inflation, or you talk about uh, taxes or those sorts of issues that people sometimes don't take into account. But uh, talk about chasing returns a little bit, because people kind of get enamored with chasing returns, particularly in a time when, uh, you know, the stock market's done well, or, or at least up until recently, the real estate markets have done well, that kind of stuff. Right. It, it's important that people understand that there is no miracle product. There's no strategy, the single strategy. There's no tax play that is the secret weapon answer to success. Uh, it's certainly not a traditional financial plan either that says, how much do you need for retirement? How much do you need for college? How much do you need for a second home? Because those are all guesses. And we can't guess and be 
as professional and effective as we should be as advisors. So, so for the public, what, what should the goal be? And the goal should be pursuing an improved level of financial balance overall. That's the goal. That's what we try to help our clients see and chase after. And so we know what optimal financial balance looks like. And then we can compare what it should look like based upon the age and income of that household compared to where they stand today. And then we set off on moving things in the direction of where it can be and should be. So like, where do you start? If you were to, if you were to have all of your financial pieces on the table, uh, sometimes it's difficult to know what the very next best financial move should be. What should it be? Uh, and does it vary client to client based on what their objectives are? Uh, I think that's as difficult to try to navigate as an advisor, and you're probably going to miss the mark as you work with clients. So in our world, we, we, we understand that there's a correct way to get dressed every morning. Like underneath the table, the camera can't see. You didn't put your socks on after your shoes. You put your shoes <laughs> on after your socks. There's a correct order to get dressed. And there's also a correct way and order in which to get dressed financially. And so the, the very first step that all considerations should revolve around is protecting your todays. That before you start talking about rates of return and, and planning for your tomorrows, it's, in, it's important that if something were to happen unexpectedly today, that you could withstand that, you could overcome that, that your family and yourself would, would survive that. And so we start rule number one is making sure that there's an assessment of your insurance portfolio and is it optimal in all areas, health insurance, property and casualty coverage, suit protection, legal documents, life insurance, disability. Uh, and, and there's a hierarchy to that. As we said, you, know, you are your most valuable asset. All of your clients are, all the people listening today, their ability to earn an income is their single greatest asset. And that income should grow over time. And if you just capitalize that over their remaining working years, it's in the tens of millions of dollars. And so that, that dwarfs any other type of property issue that maybe cause a, a, a claim, uh, a car accident, or your house is destroyed by, fi by fire or mother nature. All those things are bad, but it's not as substantial as taking your income, growing it 4% all the way out till you retire and seeing what that all adds up to. And so people are, people are underprotected. And if health changes, if life changes, we want to make sure that, that when that phone call comes in and, and somebody's passed away or no longer can work because they're disabled, we, we can't say, well, we're sorry. Hey, by the way, the market's doing pretty good this week. You know, that's not an appropriate answer. So we start with protection. And when I, when I, when I talk about insurance with clients, what do you think their first thought is? Uh, as an objection or a concern when we talk about the right or perfect amounts of insurance, what would a, what would a objection or come to mind? Uh, there's, uh, there could be so many, but uh, I'm not going to die or I'm uh, uh, there's an, or what is this cost or uh, that's right. That's yeah. the answer. It's cost. And so affordability we find is never an issue. The, the cash flow is already going somewhere onto their balance sheet and into their lives. And by being efficient with cash flow decisions, you can always position yourself to where you're perfectly protected with little to no impact on your lifestyle today. If insurance had no cost, wouldn't people want as much insurance as was available? 
Absolutely. So, so we talk to people that way and we plan their life that way. We try to be the, the owners of the cost issue to make sure that we can have low cost insurance with maximum benefits and little to no interruption on their lifestyle today as if it's free. And if we can do that, it's, it, it softens the conversation. People lean in and they're open to making sure that they are part of the conversation to make sure that portfolio is designed correctly. And then when today's are properly structured, now we can talk about tomorrow's so that even if anything happens 8, 10, 15 years from now, that protection still in place doing what it's supposed to do to protect your balance sheet, your cash flow, your assets and your family. Why do you think so many people spend so much little time on their personal finances? And why do you think there's no coordination with most of their decisions? And when you talk to most people, they sort of have kind of separate disparate assets in different areas and just kind of hope that at some point uh, on the way down the hill, as you say, it all comes together. And it, mm. and 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 they've wasted decades uh, not having some a coherent plan. Uh, in fact, well, I, I would also tell our audience that uh, you either coined or trade you trademarked or or developed the 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 the, the, the word the, the words financial balance. So. That's right. Tell, tell us a little bit about financial balance or you know why people sort of have this siloed approach to their investments. Well, they, people don't start out with that intent. It just evolves that way as they meet new advisors and as they uh, have income that's rising and have other opportunities. And uh, the important thing is maybe not so much how they got there, but what do we do about it now that we're working with them? And what we devised was a one-page financial MRI where they can put all their financial pieces onto one page as if it's an MRI or an ultrasound. And if I was a radiologist, I'd be able to look at that image and see if there was any broken bones or tumors that need to be attended to. And having the ability to look at everything on one page rather than a 75-page financial plan with tabs and a table of contents, just this one-page view allows a well-trained advisor like you to say, all right, here's what you're doing well, and here's what maybe we should focus on to improve things and move you closer to even still a higher level of financial balance. So you mentioned rate of return a little while ago. Uh, there's mountain charts that most everybody watching this podcast has seen that says, had you invested $10,000 in 1920, here's how many <laughs> millions of dollars you'd have today. Billions, and, billions. That's right. And <laughs> Trillions. Whether, it, whether it's 80 years or 90 years or 20 years, there's segments of historical market performance that actually did happen that is used as a, as a motivational tool to get people to invest with them. History. Plus, you know, here's the history. And wouldn't it be great to plug some of that history into your future? And that's the way it actually unfolds at the, at the point of contact with consumers. And what we know through our study and research is that rate of return chasing compared to strong world-class annual savings is, is not as powerful. A 10% rate of return after tax, which really doesn't exist, but it allows people to plug that into their financial plan and only being a 6% of income annually as a saver. So you're saving 6% of what you make and you're investing at it as 10% after-tax rate of return for 10, 20, 30 years, you end up with far less money than if you invested at a 4 or 5% rate of return, but we're saving 20% of your income. 
And so we help people become world-class savers so that they can control their future, so they could maybe even say no to risk, unnecessarily high risk. And the difference is not a rounding error. You can have two or three more times wealth waiting on you at retirement by just taking the safer path, but by being in control of your future through world-class savings. And the way that actually can be realized is having a second set of books that you live and you month to month in one set of books, and then you build your wealth with a separate account and separate, uh, completely segregated uh, means of capital and cash flow. And it's the co-mingling of that that so often derails people. They mean to say, they want to say, they see the importance of saving, but because it's all in one pot, you know, there's there's uh, too much uh, month at the end of the money sometimes, as the, as the saying goes. I just, I, I just like to... Uh... You know, what I, what I like to say to people in just a simple way is there's only three things you can do with your money. You can save it, you can spend it, or you can save it, you can pay your bills, or you can spend it. And if you do it in any other order, there's never any money to save, no matter how much you make. Right. And I think that I think there is too low a savings, but I don't think it's just about the discipline of savings. I think it's about making smart choices. And, you know, what I find so, you know, because we, we generally deal with very smart entrepreneurial people. And it's amazing that in their profession, whether they're a surgeon or whether an architect or they're a lawyer or they're a great entrepreneur, they're in the construction industry and they do things in a scientific, precise way. But then they don't take that same discipline to how they make their financial decisions. They make their decisions out of emotion or sort of impulse. Right. And I think that if you can if you can do that, you can you can help them save and create millions or tens of millions of dollars of wealth by just making good decisions with that money and, and having financial balance, as, as you say. I, I want to sh- shift the subject for a little bit. I mentioned at the top of the, the broadcast, you were a, a world-class athlete, a basketball player, played in the NIT. You coached briefly, were successful there. You then decided to become a financial advisor. You were, you were at the top of the game there. Then you owned the firm and built the biggest agency in the country. Uh, you've now had this storied career as a consultant. Most people don't have a career like that. Most people can't be successful at every step along the way. You've got six kids. I can't keep track of how many grandkids you have because it's it changes every time I speak to you. But the idea is, what, what do you advise your kids? What do you advise the people you're consulting with? What do you advise your clients? What do you advise the advisors you, you, you advise? What has been the secret to, to the success at every step along the way with virtually no missteps? Well, uh, I don't think there's, uh, I don't think it'd be accurate to say there's no, been no missteps. I think we learn more from our mistakes <laughs> than we do from our successes. I, I think that um, we talked about it at the very beginning um, benevolence, sharing, serving, caring for other people uh, permeates, has, has permeated my life for some reason, some, some way, somehow. And I, that's treated me quite well. And uh, I get a lot of personal satisfaction seeing other people win, whether I'm coaching them as an advisor or whether a client that was struggling upside down, feeling like they'd never make it. And then all of a sudden they see the, the hope in their future. Uh, and I think that uh, I think there's a lot of advisors that do that. They're well intended. But uh, again, they've been trained, as you and I were originally, to think about things incorrectly. Um, Insurance from a need standpoint, uh, risk taking, even you know, because it seems like it's a safe thing to do because of the history that occurred. Uh, qualified plans uh, over reliance on four hundred one ks and qualified plans. You know, it's 
that's been a failed social experiment. Uh, there's just no way that people that you work with can have financial security if all they have or most of what they have is embedded in a qualified plan. Uh, one of the values of having a balance sheet to look at is, is that your, the money you have in your retirement assets has a corresponding liability embedded against it on the right side of your balance sheet that never appears in statements from your employer or from your financial advisor. It's only if you do it in balance sheet fashion that you see the $2 million of retirement assets that has a $700,000 pending tax liability against it whenever you take it out. And just sh just showing that to clients could affect how they direct their cash flow into that same bucket as they move forward. Um, a lot of people think that retirement programs uh, have no tax or that they'll be in a lower bracket someday when they retire. We, your clients might be in a lower bracket, but that won't be at the cost of low cash flow while they retire. Uh, and so whether it's be a big home, whether it's a new car, whether it's over-reliance on qualified plans, there's just so many aspects to the advice that they hear and the sound bites that make up their financial advice that gets them off track, confused, and sometimes even paralyzed. You know, I probably misspoke when I said a few minutes ago that, you know, that you've had very, you've been, you've, I, I didn't misspeak when I said you've been successful at every juncture of your life. But I do, what I, maybe what I would re-say is when you got knocked down, you got back up again. And that you thought that anytime you failed, not only did you learn from it, but you thought you were one step closer to success. To me, the you know, like I always say, when we finish this podcast, I'm going to go outside and there could be one, two, three, four fires I've got to put out. It could be none too, but I can't control what's going to be outside my door when we get off this podcast, that's but I can right. control my state and I can control. And so one of the things that, that's been so valuable to me, and I've seen you do the same is instead of when, when a problem occurs, instead of saying, woe is me and having it make you go in the fetal position, I think you and I have in common, we've always looked at there, there's opportunity there. And how do we take that problem and turn it into an opportunity? How do we flip the script? And you know, how do we take that adversity and then turn it into to something that's positive? And, and, and I think that because life is so unpredictable and how you respond to it is quite important from a financial standpoint. And as you plan your clients' lives, we go in helping clients understand that life events, the changing, the sudden appearance of a, a life event should be expected. And so your, the position of your money on your balance sheet should be liquid. There should be a lot of liquidity in your balance sheet. And, and you, be, you have to be able to respond so that, so that as life does change its mind, you're, you're able to maneuver and respond accordingly. And so when we, we see clients that have incomes of a half million dollars and li liquid assets of 50,000, that's, that's inappropriate. And it has nothing to do with their target or their goal or their rate of return. It has to do with being balanced so that they, they can send kids to college or have parent care solutions for their parents. Or if they lose their job or want to make a career change and start a business, that they have liquid capital they can turn to. And that doesn't mean in the bank at 1% taxable. That just means not in, in too much in places where there's complications involved with having access to that money. Things like retirement plans and home equity and that that type of thing. That that's one of the top things I see for for entrepreneurs is they don't have cash confidence. 
They've got businesses worth a lot. They've got a lot of illiquid assets and the balance sheet looks good, but they don't have enough liquidity to take advantage of opportunities or they don't have the, the liquidity when emergencies occur. And then they have to go on scramble mode and these unplanned things, which, which occur to people, you know, randomly, uh, but for both opportunities or emergencies. And I find that yeah, it's, it is appalling to me to see some people with some cra cra crazy balance sheets who can't write a check for, you know, you know, for, for a bowl of soup. Here's the other thing I would also say, I, I you know, I've teased you for years about, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, you, you always threaten uh, because of the great life you and Tammy have and the great life you have with your kids and your grandkids. And uh, people don't, some people who don't know you well, don't know you're an artist. You're a, you know, damn near a scratch golfer. You've got lots of other hobbies, hobbies and other things, but uh, people won't let you retire. I know you've been trying to slow down and retire, but they won't let you do that. You're in such in, de such in demand. So I just like to, Ed, I'd like to just end the, the podcast with two questions. What haven't you accomplished yet in your life? And what do you think your legacy will be eventually, many, many years down the road? Well, I think our legacy, I've always thought legacy has been from this moment forward. I mean, from this moment today, looking backwards, not looking forwards. It's the last thing I said to Tammy when I walked upstairs to have this conversation with you. It's the last thing I said to my uh, son who had a birthday yesterday, it's the last hug I gave my daughter and grandkids this weekend when they visited from North Carolina. So our legacy is just an accumulation of everything from this moment looking, looking backwards. And that's, um, that's all that we can do, whatever that amounts to. When you think of it that way, it makes each interaction and each day a little bit more special. Uh, as far as retirement you mentioned and what's still out there for me, uh, I've learned something uh, in the last few years. I'm almost 70 now. And I had this idea of 65, you know, being the normal retirement age. And I had a, uh, a colleague that I that owns a business that I sit on his board. And he suggested to me to rethink my approach to my life only amounting to being retired. And uh you don't want to do that is basically what he said. And uh, not so much that I had more to offer, but just that it fills up my day. Maybe it shouldn't just be a flipping of a switch. It should be something that you ease off in the sunset gradually toward. And that's what I'm doing. I'm working uh, as a consultant. Uh, I'm still getting emails. I'm still able to help clients and I'm still able to help advisors be better at their uh, profession. And and that's it's been the right thing for me uh, to sort of it's not 78, 80 hours a week like it used to be, but it's it's just enough to allow me to have some balance in my life. Well, as I said, I think what, what I heard you just say is there's no finish lines in life. There's only milestones. I mean, that that to me is is very, very, very powerful. I mean, I think that's the it, it never ends. It's just the next it's just the next thing. And I, I from, from a guy who's known you well for a long time is I don't see how anybody that has the sharp entrepreneurial mind that you have could not be in creation and fascination mode, at least part of every day. You know, and I think we're all richer for having you in our life. And I know I am, and I know there's millions of people that uh, uh, would not be there where they are if it wasn't for what you've created. And uh, I just want to tell you, I, uh, I love you. And, uh, and I just thank you for everything you've done for me and for other people. Thank you, Mark. You're, you're special and you're special to me. So thanks for having me on your podcast this morning. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. 
If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, it's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian, and opinions stated are their own. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048. Arkansas Insurance License Number 741545. Expiration and submission numbers located in the show notes.